The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may miss to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you have missed that, you can watch it up until 3 p.m. You know, let me just say this about, I caught a good bit of yesterday's show uh, with Bradley, and one of the things, you know, that he had been talking about was how if we don't stop these people, we, not the politicians, the people, if we don't stop them, and look, I, I, 
I tried to give very practical ways in which we can do that. Now, all of them are local. They're not going to D.C. They're not having a big, you know, shindig in a, in a protest. But if we're going to it's very practical things. Installing that grand jury in your county, uh, building up the militia in your county, the men of your county. Um, <clears throat> those are very practical ways in which we can bring about the resolve that we say that we want. That we say that we want. Now, remember, James says, watch for those who say and those who do. So the question is, are we just saying it or are we actively pursuing it and doing it? You have to ask your own self that question. I know some of you are doing it. Um, I hear the reports. I see the videos. I, I, I hear all that stuff, and that's great. But ultimately, it has to be the people coming together. Even in, a, even in small numbers, we can be very strong, a very strong voice in that. Uh, so if you want to listen to that and then check out tacticalcivics.com to learn your civic duties, whether you agree with everything they do is just put that aside for a second. Learn the civic duties. That's what it's going to take uh, for us to maintain some sense of freedom and push back against the tyranny that's happening in our own county. Because remember, Joe Biden and the feds more than likely aren't coming after you. They're going to send the guys in the local police force to come get you. Okay, so. You got to get your head, you got to get that mindset right that everything that's happening is happening right around you, not even though they start maybe thousands of miles away, they're happening right around you. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Uh, all you got to do is click on the play button, blow out of whatever device you've got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right hand corner. Join us in the chat on Rumble. Click on that and join us in the chat. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Also, before it's news.com, top of the page there dlive.tv at the sons of liberty and then we are on a number of facebook pages that bear my name also twitch at real tim brown guys help me out over there if you're on if you got a twitch account help me out over there it's kind of pitiful right now uh just building it back up from when it was taken off too i mean all of these platforms seem to be in line together and you know i'm grateful that rumble puts us out there but i got to tell you uh, so far, they've proven that they'll at least keep us out there, and that's a great thing. I I, I do like the Rumble platform, but I got to tell you, I'm just cynical. I just give it time. Let's see. Let's. I hope the guys at Rumble prove themselves. I really do. I really do. I mean that. Um, that the guy over there at uh, at Rumble, Alex, has been great to us at Sons of Liberty. I can tell you that he's been really kind to us. We have a problem, you know. He jumps right on it and stuff. So. I'm not talking bad about Rumble, but I really want to see Rumble continue to prove itself for what it says it is. Uh, and at least to my estimation, I can see that even though I have my own question about numbers. And that's just all across the board as to what we're seeing and everything. Anyway, that's what you can pick up. OK, now I've rambled on about this very quickly, but I just want to hit if you want to keep us out there. There's a donate button at the Sons, uh, com. You can click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And <clears throat> we really do appreciate you guys very, very much. Now, I have not heard from Eric yet. Just want to give you a quick update. I have not heard from Eric since I heard from him on Monday evening, and I shared that with you yesterday, the update from what was going on in New York. So I'm hoping to get some information from him today, and I can share with you about Miss Weinstein. Many of you uh, logged in. Some of you probably got tired of waiting for the thing to start. It's supposed to start at 1030. It, it started like 330 or 4 o'clock. It was ridiculous what these people were doing. 
Um, I, I kind of teased him. I said, is this how New Yorkers do it? They show up late for everything. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, the old saying for the Brown house is if you're there before the time that everything is when the event starts, you're on time. If you're there when the event starts, you're late. And if you're after the event starts, you're clearly late. And it's like people have lost the sense of other people's time. And presidents have been doing it. It doesn't matter if they're a Republican or Democrat. They do it all the time. They're supposed to start a press conference. What do they do? They wait five or ten minutes. Oh, yeah, you know, you guys are going to wait on me. I'm the king. That's the way they think. They're not supposed to have titles and nobility, and yet they're held up to that. My son was even telling me the other day. He said, Dad, he said, they had this video of Joe Biden, and he likes ice cream or something. And they said, they were interviewing, and they said, well, what do you do if you want some ice cream? And he, he just pushes this red button. Remember, Donald Trump had it for Diet Coke. Ugh. It, it like there's like there are there are kings to be waited on like that, and that is the farthest thing I know from. Well, you can even go back whether whatever you think about George Washington, that the guy said I don't want to be your king, and he was in and out of there. And um, the the guys now think it is their role to be served rather than serve. And this is a, it's a huge problem. Anyway, this is Rotten to the Core Wednesday. And as always, we have with us the Common Core diva, Lynn Taylor. Good morning, Lynn. Well, good morning. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing really good. You know, you were talking about the red button. I'll very quickly interject a, a story. Uh, during the Obama administration, I took a homeschool group to D.C. for a, a field trip. And uh, we were there a couple of days and we're going on our tour, minding our business. And the next thing we know, here comes the presidential motorcade screaming down the street. All the Secret Service men and women, you know, their guns were out the windows. And, you know, we see the flags on the limousines and blah, blah, blah. And we're trying to think, OK, what national emergency is going on? And why did they have the guns out the window? Because they're just screaming down the street. Come to find out it was because the president had had an urge to go get a hamburger at some local joint. And it was, let's all hop in the car. Let's go down to the burger joint and let me get my burger. And I'm sitting here going, and you took the taxpayer's money and used it that way and scared all these people that I had with me on this trip to no end because they have guns sticking out of a car at them. And it's just, it wasn't just at us. I mean, it was at everyone, no matter where they were going down the street. So let me make sure I make that clear. But it was just the whole premise was just, you gotta be kidding me. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it, it's more and more. It's, it's becoming that. And yeah. the, the representatives of the people mm -hmm. Are becoming more like Hollywood celebrities to many of them. Oh, oh and I, it absolutely was. I yeah. think this is. I think this is the hurdle that we have in getting certain people over. Now, look, this audience, for the most part, I would say, is over that hump. I see the comments, at least in the video section. I want to see from you mm -hmm. guys on the radio, and I apologize, we don't have a phone line. We're going to try to. We're trying to work on that, but the Brown oh, household is. Yeah, the Brown household is very, very tight. I could get a Zoom <laughs> phone number, but that's like. A hundred right. something dollars a year, and I can't do that. And the Google yeah. Voice doesn't—it doesn't really give me the options to kind of keep things quiet, quiet, except for just completely right. muting the whole website and everything. What I'm doing. So <clears throat> we're going to try to get a phone line for you guys who want to call in. I know there are some, but very few people want to call in, and that's okay. Uh, 
but yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. They, they have become like Hollywood celebrities or Kings, like I said before, and they think that, that the, 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 the people are there to serve them rather than them to serve and do their duty before the people. But that's a good segue into our topic today, because mm. the reason why I wanted us to look and, and spend a couple of, of Wednesdays on the lessons that we can learn from the carols and from the scripture is because we have got to negate the social justice warrior mindset, the collectivism mindset that props it up that you as a minion are here to serve the collective good rather than God Almighty. And that's why, you know, it just really hit me that the whole spirit of Christmas is being usurped by that social justice warriorism, which is why I made that one image that I sent you was because we've got to do what we can to take it back. Now, yes, you're right. Most of the audience is up to speed on this, but we know this broadcast goes to others who have not a clue. So we're just going to to uh, go from the premise today, Tim, that no one is is more ahead of the game than others, okay, when it comes to what Advent is, Epiphany, and what we can do from the lessons. And yeah, there's the image. And I just wanted folks to know it's a militant oppression that is wrapping itself up as a Christmas gift because if you look at the social justice movement, especially in the Christmas season, it's, oh, yes, go out and donate to a soup kitchen. It's all the things that we have been commanded to do in the Bible to be the hands and feet of Christ. But it took on an evil tenant when it aligned to the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations. And that veil between what is godly and what is worldly is so thin. And that's what the agenda is using in schools and in our communities to take that Christmas message that is so pure and so holy and so wonderful. And then going, oh, yes, we must do this for the collective good. So. With that, we're going to jump right in okay. to our our resources. Now, uh, years ago, I was the children's ministry director for a church here, and I was there long enough to write two devotional guides for this particular church. And I just wanted to start off our, our lessons with this. No one knows for sure the exact date or time of year that Christ was actually born. And while the early believers did not pay special homage to people's birthdays, late believers like us actually do. After several different dates, Pope Julius I set December 25th as the day of Christ's Mass or Christmas. And the year that happened was 350 A.D. Down through the ages, Christians and even non-Christians have looked forward to celebrating Christmas. And while times, customs, and families may change, one constant remains, and that is Christ's love for mankind. Okay? So I also wanted to point out to folks, if they don't know what Epiphany is and why it should be just as celebrated as the Advent, which is the preparation for Christ's birth, the Epiphany is the time between Christmas and the day of Epiphany, or January the 6th. This is also known as the 12 days. So if you have anyone who is saying, oh, the 12 days come before Christmas or during Advent, that's totally wrong. It needs to start either Christmas Day or the day after, and then run through January the 6th. Now, the reason this is done is because 
Epiphany actually means manifestation and was originally used to mark Jesus's baptism by water in the Jordan River. And the traditional symbol for Epiphany is light, usually illustrated by stars. The season of Epiphany is key to us as Christians because it serves a bridge between the celebration of Jesus's birth and the passion of the Christ known as Easter. And I just thought that that was very important for us to set the stage because a lot of people don't either know it, they've forgotten it, or they've never heard it. And we would be remiss in our walk to be the light for others if we didn't share that kind of stuff. And this is also part one of my Christmas gift to not only you, Tim, but to the entire Sons of Liberty family. So that's why I wanted to make sure that I'm getting all this information out there. Okay, yeah, now let me let me yes. th- let me toss something in here. Sure, I want people ahead. to understand. Um mm-hmm. At least in the Brown household, look, I don't have any problem with people decorating stuff. I don't have any problem with people celebrating, getting there with family. All those things are good. Uh, But you mentioned the Pope as being the one who established all these things. And people ask, well, why are we celebrating this when he clearly wasn't born at this time? And and look, I believe we ought to be people of the truth. Mm -hmm. And the one thing Jesus never told us to remember his birth. Okay, it's a very important doctrine. The incarnation is vitally important to the Christian faith. There's no question about that. Oh, yeah. But this idea that we have taken uh, the the incarnation and what we have done, Lynn, like so many things, because men are corrupt. And as John Calvin says, their little idol, their hearts are little idol factories is we have made it about us. Oh, we'll give lip service to Jesus and his birth Mm -hmm. and all this other but then when this when this season comes around where like Charles Spurgeon, I'm kind of like Charles Spurgeon. I mm-hmm. I think the whole idea of what we see Christmas as is sort of it's very pagan. But yet when right. somebody says Merry Christmas, look, I can I can go along and say Merry Christmas in the fact that the Christ has come and he has come to save men from their sin. Uh, right. But but it's all the trappings that come within that. I think that 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 people don't think about and somehow it's even come to the point, Lynn, where I've had people tell me, oh, you don't celebrate Christmas the way we do. Well, then you must not be a Christian. And it's like, wait, where do you see it even in Scripture? I'm fine for teaching kids things and using tools to do that and all that. But Mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is most people that say Jesus is the reason for the season. That is the furthest thing from their mind when they get in this season. I, just, I, I want to toss that right. in. That's exactly oh, what they do. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. But what I tried to do in that particular role and what I'm trying to do now is point back to where we should be looking. Yes, if you want to participate in some of the uh, activities, as long as your heart is in that place of, I know that this is not about me. It is not about the trappings. It is about my relationship with God. And if this is what it takes to get that relationship right, Tim, then I think it's worth talking about, whether it's Christmas season or it's Easter season, or it's just a, a regular Tuesday during the year, you know, it, it, to me, it doesn't matter because I know that there's so much misinformation in our churches and in our schools and in our communities. And so that's why I'm trying today to make sure that we get it back to the scripture Amen. as far as what the scripture 
is saying. Yep. And yes, if you want to connect these activities for children, because it is very difficult to try to get some of the lessons for how wonderful the relationship between Christ and ourselves is into a child's thinking so that it can be imprinted on their hearts and on their minds that yes, sometimes you have to think outside of the box and come up with this, this way that, okay, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but we're going to, you know, we're going to try and do that to, to get that message across. So that's where my heart is at. If someone wants to take it further, that's their business, but this is what I'm offering. Sure. Okay. Okay. All right. So we know that um, our church does take the season of preparation and that should be a personal thing. If we do it with our Sunday school group or with our church, as long as it's Bible based and not pagan related, it should be a okay to do this. But what I did, and this will be in the archives, is I laid out the the three Sundays that we have already passed. The first one was centered on hope. And you can find that scripture reference in Luke 1, 39 through 41. I give a suggested family activity for everyone. And so this will be in the archives. On the second advent, that was uh, 12.4. That is supposed to center on peace, which you can find in Isaiah 9, 6. Another suggested family activity. And again, these are suggested. These are not, oh, you must go out and do this. These are suggestions. So take that scripture. What works for your family? Absolutely do. Okay. The third Advent Sunday was just past. This one was centered on love. Isaiah 7, 14 and Luke 1, 46 through 56. Again, another suggested family activity. And then we have our last one that's coming up this Sunday. And this is all about joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's absolutely key and something that we should be living every single day through these tumultuous times. So we also not only could use the joy of the Lord is my strength as our theme, of living, we can use Luke 2, 7 and 11, and then John 1 through 8. And then on Christmas Day, I would urge everyone, gather your family before you do anything else. Gather your family and read Luke 2, 11, Psalm 66, 1 through 4, and any other personal family Bible uh, passages that not only celebrate Christ and what he's done for us, Tim, but how he has knitted each and every one of us together, because out of all the people in the world, he chose you and Denise and all your children to be one unit. He chose myself and my husband and our lovelies to be that one family unit. And we could go on and on. We could have been stuck with anybody. But no, he, in his loving way, chose each and every one of us for each other. And what a gift from him to each other we are in in what he has created. Yep, amen. That's exactly what he's done. And <clears throat> whoops, I'm clicked off on the other button. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the things, too, yes. is if people are serious uh, about this, you know, remembering the incarnation stuff, I'd, I'd encourage them to read all of Luke 1 and 2. Right. And the reason being is they're going to find out 
that they've been lied to in some of this the the christian uh, the christmas celebration kind of stuff they've been lied to about what happened at the time of the birth everybody sees the wise men there but they weren't oh, there no, they weren't they were an epiphany they they yeah. weren't there they didn't show up this is why in fact mm-hmm. they could have showed up up to 2 years later this is why herod yeah. wanted every male child how old Two years old and under. Why did he say that? Because the wise man had showed up after the fact. Right. And so it's little things like that, Lynn. It drives mm-hmm. me nuts. I, yeah. I didn't know it. And then dealing with the thing of dealing with Christmas and, and the scriptures yeah. and stuff like that, I, I came to, to go, wait a minute. They're teaching us things that aren't true. And above all things, we want to be people of the truth. We're to be the guard and pillar of the truth. As a matter of Absolutely. fact, Absolutely. Yeah. And I will have to admit that, you know, I did not understand uh, some of the market differences. And so, you know, none of us are exempt from being uh, free of that cultural uh, church driven indoctrination. And this is, this is just really key. So I do apologize because I never meant to mislead anyone. I don't mean to mislead anyone now. So, you know, I, I just wanted to, to make sure that I, I made that little confession because I know where my heart is. I know where I want to go. And sometimes I'm not as great as getting it out there as people may think that, that I could be. So that's okay. I also give you epiphany scriptures because as we know, the bridge between Jesus's birth and his sacrifice for us to give us, you know, eternal life is absolutely key. And I think Easter should, should be more celebrated than Christmas. And we know what our culture has done with that. So we have Matthew 2, 2, Luke 2, 30 through 32, Matthew 2, 11, Matthew 2.13, Matthew 2.14, Luke 1.39-55, Luke 2.21, Luke 2.10, Luke 15.15, Matthew 2.1, John 1.6, and finally on Epiphany Day, which is the 6th of January, um, Isaiah 6, 1-3. And then with that, I wanted us to look at some of the Christmas carols that are used in helping get our heart right. And you played one during the introduction, which was O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I give everyone a link in the archives for a little bit of the history about that, because what I thought was so key, Tim, and sometimes is left out, especially if you hear these songs on the radio, is no one gives you the context anymore about how this song came about or what scripture it's based on. And so that was something that I wanted to bring out today during our time together. Yeah, now, that sounds this, that sounds good. In fact, uh, I want to mm-hmm. pe- point people back to what we did with um, Douglas Bond. He's an author. Now he's down mm-hmm. here in North Carolina. He's just down around you, I think, somewhere over there. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Douglas has done the Mr. Pipe series. I don't know if you did that with your girls, but uh, we've got several of the Mr. Pipe's books, and it was talking about the history behind certain hymns. So I, I always mm-hmm. find that fascinating. What drove these people to write the hymns that we sing today? Right. And a lot of what I found in researching, not only for today's show, but for next week's show, was that you would not believe the number of heartache, death, illness, and just sheer uh, that people were going through. And they chose to 
write about it in these God-honoring ways that have been passed down to you and I and to everyone we know, because whether you believe in Christ or not, trust me, you know the Christmas carols. You absolutely do. But I wanted you to know why you sing what you sing, because that's just as important. Because if we don't know why we're singing something, we could be sending the wrong message, and we don't want to do that. Well, that's, That's why I love at our church. We sing mm-hmm. the Psalms. Yeah. In fact, I'm almost disappointed when we sing hymns because the Psalms are God's word. It's we're singing it back to him almost as a, okay. a praise and a prayer and thing. That's why I love to I love to sing the Psalms. They're they're wonderful. Right. Right. And I don't know how many churches do that. I know how many churches still rely on hymnals and um you know cuz that's the way it's always been done and well after all, if it's in the hymnal Oh, you know, it can't be wrong. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. we see how that's gone. Okay, so O come, O come, Emmanuel. This dates back to the 12th century in Latin, and it's typically used during the season of Advent, but you can use it any old time your heart wants to just thank God for for coming to, to save us. This is based on Isaiah 7, 14, Matthew 1, 21, and 23, and then Luke 131. It is an invitation, supposedly from history, it is an invitation for us to join all the angels in celebrating. And that would be based on that scripture where, you know, supposedly, and I know we've seen it in in, um, Christmas uh, videos where we have the angels and they were gathering in the sky. And of course, supposedly that's when the, the star of Bethlehem showed. And then all the shepherds went and they worshiped. And supposedly that's when all the wise men showed up and everybody partied. Uh, I mean, that's usually how it's shown. But we know that there was a very uh, strict timeline to uh, what all happened. And it's key that you brought up that it was uh, a lot of time had passed between when Jesus was born and the wise men showing up. So I just wanted to point that out. And yes, we are told that, you know, uh, we do have angels among us. We know that those angels can be for God. We also know that we have uh, our spiritual enemy who has minions uh, who are about us as well. So it's very key that we know which angels we're uh, celebrating with. Okay. Come thou long expected Jesus. This is to help us remember that it is all about Jesus. It is not about us. Okay. This was written in the 1700s by Charles Wesley. And this particular one has a bevy of scriptures roped into it. And I'm going to spit those out for you. This is Matthew 11, 28. 1 Samuel 15, 29, Psalm 68, 34, Joel 316, Haggai 2.7, Ezekiel 11, 19, and 36, 26, Romans 5, 5, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, and finally Ephesians 28. Okay. And then we have lastly. The ones that we're going to go over today, Silent Night. This is probably one of the best known. Now, it's not the most published, but it's probably one of the best known. And this is one of the first ones, Tim, that showed up This as, as a result of pondering strife in our life. And this was written by an Austrian priest not long after the Napoleonic Wars back in 1818. And he 
had, if you go back and you study what the Napoleonic Wars did to Austria, it ravaged them. So very little was left intact. And here you have this priest uh, trying to get his heart right before he goes in to minister to his congregation. And he's out walking and he sees the snow and he sees all the, the things that are going on and how quiet everything is. And he starts to worship God in that particular moment. Okay. So that's uh, what I have as far as that. Now, the reason I wanted to go to Charles Dickens, okay, the reason that I wanted us to end up on Charles Dickens today was a lot of Christians in trying to find good content during this season will go to Christmas Carol. And I didn't know how many people knew that when Charles Dickens wrote this, he wrote this with a Bible-based message in it. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. I also give you the um, book that his great-grandson wrote. This is called Christmas with Dickens by Cedric Dickens. And he will tell you the reason that he wanted to write this book was so that people as families could get together and celebrate as his great-grandfather wanted, which was that you read the Christmas Carol aloud, you shared with your neighbors, you shared with those less fortunate, you got the community together, Tim, to participate in this story, complete with food and drink menu and party games, which I had no clue even existed. But one of the things that I thought was so fascinating was that if, and I have provided this link for those of the archive, was that he drew heavily from the Holy Scriptures to even write this particular, um, what we know as a modern classic for we the people. And so I thought that was absolutely key to our uh, discussion today of how he did it. But one of his goals, and let me see, or excuse me, one of the reasons why he wrote this particular uh, book was he tells you, or his grand, his great grandson tells you that his great grandfather was so discouraged and so upset over the mistreatment of his fellow citizens in London back in the mid-1800s. He saw how the poor and the hungry and the less fortunate were beaten, were starved, were left out in the cold, literally. And he wanted to try to not only raise awareness, Tim, but he wanted to spark that part of his fellow citizen's heart that goes, wait a minute, we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're supposed to be uh, doing for them, not our government, not our city, because Christ did for us and now we are supposed to go live out that example. And I thought, well, gosh, if people don't know that that is the message behind it, it's not about getting more stuff. It's not about any of the things that modern day literature or lessons from our education system or even our culture have turned it into. That's the plain and simple message. And in it, in this particular book by his great-grandson, he provides you with a preface that Charles Dickens wrote himself. And he says, I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea, which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves or with each other. 
with the season or with me. May it haunt their house pleasantly and no one wish to lay it. Your faithful friend and servant, and he signed it CD. Now he goes on to tell you that there was indeed nobody that had not some interest in the message of my Christmas carol. It tells of the selfish man to rid himself of selfishness, the just man to make himself generous, and the good-natured man to enlarge the spirit of his good nature. Its cheery voice of faith and hope, ringing from one end of the island to the other, carried pleasant warning alike to all, that if the duties of Christmas were wanting, no good could come of its outward observances, and that it must shine upon the heart and warm it, and into the sorrowful heart and comfort it, that it must be kindness, benevolence, charity, mercy, forbearance, or a plum pudding would turn to stone and the roast beef into something indigestible. And he wrote that years after he wrote the Christmas Carol. And I know it was his literary way of saying, look, if you don't have the heart of the matter, it doesn't matter what trappings you put on it at Christmas. It's not going to be pleasant. That's at right. All. Well, and look, we're seeing that today where mm-hmm. where the the remembrance of the incarnation mm-hmm. as, it, as it's proclaimed to be, it's been turned into a indulgence in our lust. We right. make we make lists about stuff we want, mm-hmm. most of it we don't need. Right. Um I, I'm I, now I understand what my parents were when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It, they they were sitting there going, I, you know, I just enjoy the time around family. I enjoy having time around family. I enjoy time, you know, feasting with them, thanking God for his blessings and all these kinds of things. And I'm at that stage now. I just, you know, I like going and being with family. I like being in a warm house. I like, look, I even like some of the lights and things of that nature uh, and stuff. All of that's great. But the fact of the matter is, is that we, there are people, Lynn, and I've talked about this before. There are people, they only show up. To hear the word of God, if you will, if they're even getting that, mm-hmm. twice a year. You mentioned it, Christmas, Easter, and then they're yeah. gone. They're there to celebrate their own doom. At Christmas, they're celebrating the one who's going to judge you, who has the power to throw your body and soul in hell. And the same thing is true in Easter. He's the one who conquered death. Mm-hmm. And yet they come in there and they're celebrating the fact that their judge is alive. He's not dead. And that's... That's what gets me, and this is why the gospel message is so important. Mm -hmm. And if preachers don't take those opportunities at these times of year when people do come in there to give the complete and total gospel, to leave those people helpless and hopeless apart from Christ and Mm -hmm. call them to repentance, then they're not, they clearly don't understand what's going on, and they're clearly not doing their job as those who are supposed to be ministers of the word. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to share one final thing from Cedric's book, and this is called The Dickinesian Grace. In fellowship assembled here, we thank thee, Lord, for food and cheer. And through our Savior, thy dear Son, we pray God bless everyone. 
So I thought that mm. was uh, really something because, you know, that take that borrows from the line in the Christmas Carol, you know, where uh, we have Tiny Tim going, God bless us, everyone. And, you know, that's you're right. That's what people want. They want God to bless them. But are they willing to be the one to be worthy of that blessing, to be on their knees, to say, you know, hey, I screwed this up and and I can't live without you, uh, not because I can get stuff. No, not not because that, because, you know, let's look at the reason why Christ was even born in the first place. It wasn't to give us stuff. It wasn't to do anything other than to show us that he is love and that we need him in our lives to be saved from that eternal hell. Yep, that's right. That's exactly it absolutely right. is. Well, believe it or not, that is what I have for you today. Um, and then I guess if you want to close with that final image, and this was one of the things that I think is so important. Yeah, run from the corrupt church, but don't mistake running away from Christ in the process. Because if you run away from a corrupt church, that's one thing. But if you run away from Christ, that's a whole different that's right. ball game. Sure. It absolutely is. So just wanted to point that out because we know that there are a lot of people who are thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with the church, Tim. I, I can go and I can do all these things. And hey, it's okay because it's in the name of God. But if you look at the cultural sellout that our churches have become, you should really question, okay, if they're selling out over here, but yet I'm running to them for Christmas and for Easter. What am I doing? Am I, am, am I really worshiping the one true God or am I worshiping the, the world's version of God? Well, that's, I, I think that's a good question. In fact, uh, I'm seeing some comments dealing with that across some of the platforms, the video platforms mm -hmm. is, you know, this, what we've been indoctrinated with, many, much of it comes from Rome. Let's be honest about that. Much of it comes from Rome. Um, obviously, the incarnation does it. That comes from scripture. Uh, and if it weren't for the incarnation, then we wouldn't have the Christ. We wouldn't have had the, the death, burial, and resurrection and the ascension right. of the Lord Jesus. And so <clears throat> all of that's very important. Now, we've got a comment in here. <laughs> Jennifer's saying, we got 15 more minutes left, so this time for a Bible lesson. So I, I don't <laughs> mind doing that. I was actually okay. I was actually thinking about some of this that relates to some of the stuff that I speak about quite often, uh, Lynn, mm -hmm. here. And that mm -hmm. is on this subject of who's the true Israel and where does this come from and all these... You know, these these people who call themselves Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And they, they will claim, oh, we're still looking for Messiah. We're looking for Messiah. Some of them, you know, we've got video of it saying Donald Trump was the Messiah and that his son-in-law, Jerry Kushner, was like Messiah number two. I forget the names. that Messiah mm. Ben David. Or no, I, don't, I forget no, what the name is. No, 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 no. So, so, so wrong. Yeah. It, it is wrong. And so what I want to do is, if you don't <laughs> mind, I'm going to take... Yeah. I'm going to go here to Matthew chapter one. I'm going to struggle my way through some of these names here, but okay. the, I hope that people will see the importance of why the scripture documented this a long time ago. Keep in mind, when Israel and, and Jerusalem were destroyed, the nation, the geopolitical structure, when it was destroyed in 70 AD, all of the records were kept in the temple along with the scriptures, and they were destroyed as well. Okay, 
Now, there were copies of the scriptures, so we don't have, there's not an issue of that. But those things were destroyed in the temple. Therefore, nobody can come up and say, well, I'm, you know, of this tribe and that. Okay, yeah. your mom and dad can tell you that stuff all they want to. And we know where a lot of that stuff came out from. It came out of uh, the Kazarians. So that doesn't prove anything. But the scripture lays out for mm -hmm. us the line that would come through the Christ. And I, again, I have people who are ignorant who will say, well, see there, you're, you're pointing to a physical thing of, of Jesus. No, we're just showing the family line of his mother and father. And we recognize a physical mother and father. And we recognize that the scripture says that God created Christ, a body. Christ already existed. He had mm -hmm. inhabited a body within the womb of Mary. Yep. God did not have sex with Mary. I've had people tell me that, well, it says it, that God came into her, and that's the terminology for sexual relationship with the other. And it's like, right. wait a minute. Did you forget that God is the one who creates ex nihilo? He creates out of nothing, and he formed the body of the Lord Jesus, and he dwelt in that. Uh, it's just, it's incredible to me. So here's what. Tim, Matthew, Tim, yeah, go ahead. hang on, hang on. Just, I just wanted to point out, nowhere in the scripture does it tell us that we should worship Mary or Joseph. They were earthly people that God used. Yes, Mary was, was special, but is she worthy of worship? Absolutely nope. not. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So let me take you back over to Matthew chapter one, sure. the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Perez, and Zara of Thamar, and Perez begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nasan, and Nasan begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Booz of Rashab, and Booz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse beget David the king. And David the king beget Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon beget Reboam, and Reboam beget Abia, and Abia beget Asa, and Asa beget Josaphat, and Josaphat beget Joram, and Joram beget Ozias, and Ozias beget Jotham, and Jotham beget Akaz, and Akaz beget Ezekias, and Ezekias beget Manassas. And Manassas beget Ammon, and Ammon beget Josias, and Josias beget Jaconius and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jaconius beget Salithiel, and Salithiel beget Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel beget Abiam, Abiad, excuse me, and Abiad beget Eliakim, and Eliakim beget Azer, and Azer beget Sadak, and Sadak beget Akim. And Akim beget Eliab, and Eliab beget Eliezer, and Eliezer beget Mathan, and Mathan beget Jacob, and Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. 
And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So Joseph had this idea, as any man would, that Mary had been messing around on him. And he loved her. He could have, you know, he could have pushed to have her put to death. That was that was the penalty in Israel if you were committing adultery with a betrothed woman, which is just as good as if they had just been married. Um, and so you've got that going on, and it takes an angel from the Lord to say, Joseph, I know what you're feeling here, but what Mary has going on is not from some kind of sinful act. It is the work of God in her, and what she has conceived is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. Now, this 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 verse right here, we could spend an hour or two on Right. Just talking, just expounding upon this. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, I want people to think about something, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read the end of this here in just a second. But, Lynn, I want people to think about something. Mm-hmm. He is called Jesus because. He will save his people from their sins. Now, what is sin to us? Is it not a harsh taskmaster? Is it not one that lays burdens on us over and over in judgments? As as uh, um, John Bunyan wrote in The Pilgrim's Progress, it's like this burning mountain. It's the law. It's coming on us, and our violations of the law, which are sin, is coming on us, and they're they're just crushing us. And yet Jesus is the one who comes, and he saves his people from their sin. It doesn't say... He saves them from the consequence of their sin. Right. He's saving you from your sin. So listen, if you're a person who professes Christ as your Savior, many people leave off Lord. By the way, the Scripture says, the one who confesses with his mouth, Jesus says, Lord shall be saved. It's not you can have him as Savior and not as Lord. The point is the Lord leads us away from the enemy. He teaches us to abandon sin. And I think that's vitally important in today's mm-hmm. you know, modern gospel that just wants to tack Jesus on like you just voted or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got my get out of jail free yeah. card. Yeah, yeah it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not supposed to be that at all. It's supposed to be that which changes a person. The Bible says that we become new creations of Christ. Behold, all things you know, have have passed away. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things mm-hmm. have become new. Right. And so this is very important. And then we read this. Now, all this was done, what? That Mary would be with child, right? That she would be with child. And that was to be the sign. That's what God said. That it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin. And I've heard people say, Oh, well, see, you know, it was a virgin, it was a young girl, and that happened shortly after. And I'm not denying that there were some things that happened there. But the fact of the matter is all these things come up and they point to Christ. I mean, you have numerous passages all through the Psalms, especially. And Jesus tells his disciples himself, and I think it's Luke 24, the latter part of the passage there, when he's meeting with them after his resurrection, he says, it's Moses and the prophets, it's in the Psalms, all the Old Testament, they're not just stories about Israel, and they're not just Mm -hmm. stories about how God did that. They speak about me. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. They speak about me. 
And so the disciples were able to take that, and that's why we see that the change in them after Pentecost is all of a sudden it's like their minds get open to what Jesus has taught and what the Scriptures have said. So he goes on and he says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is what we were playing before, O come, Mm -hmm. O come, Emmanuel. And what does that mean? It's interpreted, uh, which is interpreted is God with us. And what do we read in John chapter 1? He came into his own. He put on flesh. He came among his people. He tabernacled with them. That's what the word that's used there when he comes with his people. He tabernacles with them. God is with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife, and knew her not till, till, for my Roman Catholic friends, He knew her not till, that means at some point he did know her, that's sexual intercourse, that's the consummation of the marriage, okay? She had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So I I want people to understand this morning, there's a lot of stuff that's Mm -hmm. been put out there uh, in the name of Christmas or the Nativity or the... Advent, whatever. There have been things that have been put in, and I don't know why. I don't know why in men's mind that that is the case, but the scriptures are very clear. That's another one that's thrown in there by some apostate religions is that somehow Mary remains this perpetual virgin. I don't know what that what glory that gives to her in doing that. I don't understand it at all, except they want to erect an idol of Mary. That's That's all I can get to, because then they have to go back and they have to start changing things about Mary to say, well, she was without sin, too, and all this. And yet she's the one who rejoices in God, her Savior, does she not? Yeah, but look at some of the the, the most classic art pieces that have been generations ago. You have the gold halo around Jesus, but then you also have the gold halo around Mary and Joseph. Well, yeah, they'll do it around the saints and all that. Yeah, Yeah. that that, that was propping them up to a place that God never intended them to be. It absolutely did. Now, I don't know if people know this, but there are actually five verses to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I am absolutely not going to sing because you would not want me to do that. You wouldn't even pay me to do that. Well, you got about 30 seconds. Sing it fast. (laughs) But anyway, go look at all five stanzas because the words are really, really lovely. And we will continue this discussion next week on our part two of uh, our lessons from the carols. Okay. And if you wish to find out more about me, concordiva.com. Well, you, okay. You you got it out there. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I you know what? I, I, I want to take these opportunities where people seem to somehow focus in that area. And mm-hmm. uh, we want to drive them back to what the scripture says. Uh, you were mentioning all these different things. Uh, and one of the yeah. things that gets me is, you know, God gave us a word book. He didn't give us a picture book. And right. I'm not I'm not against people using illustrations and things. I think they're great tools. But the fact of the matter is. Jesus said, if they won't hear the law and the prophets, they're not going to hear one come from the dead. Bradley, be with, back with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. See you in the morning at 6 a.m., Lord willing. Adios.